0: i'm super excited to let you guys know that we have opened our nca vip graduate support for 2024 2025. this is where we help graduate nurses enrolled nurses registered nurses registered midwives apply interview and land their dream first graduate nursing role We work with you through all your applications, all your interviews from start to finish, and we even work with you until you land your dream graduate nursing role. I know it's insane. Over the last three years, we have helped over 450 graduate nurses across each state and territory apply, interview, and land their dream graduate nursing role. From non-traditional nursing roles outside of the sector, outside of the hospital setting, to public hospital and private hospital roles across the spectrum. Whether you are a school an international graduate nurse, a seasoned, amazing healthcare human, who is a second career clinician, the NCA is the place for you to be. Do not hesitate in coming to join us in the NCA. You can find out all the information you need and get some discounts to join us at liamcarswell.com forward slash NCA. Start today. Come and join us today because your graduate program is opening very soon, my friends. And we want to make sure that you get the best result possible. I'll see you in the NCA. Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, welcome to this episode of High Performance Nursing. I'm so excited that you're here. And today we have a Victorian with us. Uh, (laughs) Or just simply with us. I know you're not a Victorian, like you're actually from the Northern Territory, is that right?
1: No, Queensland. (laughs) Everyone everyone (laughs) says that, like you're from Darwin. I'm like, I'm (laughs) not, I'm (laughs) Cairns.
0: I do all my research about my guests and I know exactly everything about them, obviously.
1: (laughs) Obviously, nailed it, nailed
0: it. (laughs) You're from Queensland, love that, but you live in Victoria. Welcome to the podcast, Georgia. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you, and thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: I am so excited to have you here, and hopefully I won't butcher the rest of the episode, but (laughs) we'll we'll work it out as we move through. Swing it. (laughs) Isn't that what we do all the time anyway? Literally. I love it. (laughs) So, Georgia, let me tell you a little bit about Georgia. You might actually know Georgia as Nurse Sips, and we were just chatting about how funny it is that I'm calling her Georgia, so I feel like it's not our real name. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Georgia is a phenomenal clinician. She is a clinical nurse specialist in cardiology, um, her favourite area of the human body. She's very passionate about cardiology and we're going to learn all about that soon. But she also loves nursing in general. She's currently also working as an ANAM on a busy cardiology short stay unit and loves teaching and helping people understand all things cardiac, critical thinking, growing as a nurse and as a person. She is on Instagram at nurse sibs and has built an amazing following there um, and offers lots of amazing free training as well as paid trainings, which we'll talk about as we move through this episode. You've been busy. Wow. Lots have been happening in your
1: career. Oh, yeah. This girl's busy. <laughs> <laughs> it does not stop.
0: Nurse is busy. I love it. So I invited you on the podcast today because I'd love to explore your career. Um, First and foremost, because I am not a cardiac nurse. So I need to learn all the cardiac things, which is hilarious because I taught advanced life support for a year. <laughs> but that's a story for a different day. So tell us all the things. Tell us about your nursing career up until this point.
1: Okay, sure. So if it makes you feel any better, first of all, I know very little about all other areas of nursing. So I'm like all over cardiac, but like do not ask me about like the pancreas or like anything else. Like I'm just like, nope, I know cardiac and that's about it. But yes, my career. So I graduated back in 20 end of 2017. So I started as a nurse in 2018. I started my grad year on a it was essentially a CCU. So like a very high acuity cardiac cardiothoracic ward here in Melbourne so we got sort of the sickest of the sickest heart patients from even interstate like Tasmania and South Australia and things so it was an amazing learning opportunity it was a 12 month rotation and yeah the patients were super sick so it was very much so like thrown in the deep end if you like cardiac like here you go here's the hard ones. (laughs) yeah and then after that 12 months I went back home so I went back to Cairns with the intention and I went there going into a cath lab job. And funnily enough, I got there and within a week, I was like, oh, this is not for me. Like, I'm not going to like this. And I, at that time, I didn't want to live in Cairns. I had moved there for more personal reasons. My mum had had a lung transplant and I had been in Victoria for most of the time that she went through her surgery and Anyway, there was just a lot of reasons why I went back home. But then when I got there and I was like, oh, dang, I'm not going to actually like this job. Obviously, I panicked and was like, what have I just done? I've just left an incredible job. Anyway, so the short term solution for that was that I worked in the cath lab recovery. So pretty much anywhere where there's a cath lab, they do obviously the inpatients in the hospital, but they also do elective patients that come in from home and Sometimes they go home the same day, so they have, like, their own little recovery area. So it's still all cardiac, but it's just before and after cath lab, basically. And that temporary solution turned into 18 months. (laughs) Um, (laughs) COVID got in the way of that as well. I had, like, come back to Melbourne and then gone back to Cairns, and it was just all over the place. But I've essentially come back to Melbourne and then have stayed in that sort sort of area. So elective cardiac procedures, pre and post cath lab, as well as some other elective cardiac procedures that aren't done in cath lab. It is called a day procedure unit, but it isn't just like we're sort of open
2: Mm. 24-6
1: because some procedures like patients need to stay overnight. Obviously, if there's any changes in or complications or anything like that, we don't send them home the same day. So yeah, that's basically where I work now and how I've become a CNS because I've been in cardiac my whole career. I haven't done any... Further study. So I haven't done a post grad or anything, but you don't need to do that to be a CNS. Mm. So yeah, that's me. Oh, and now I'm an ANUM of that area as well.
0: I love that. Just to add that on the end like, just so an <laughs> ANUM. I love that.
1: <laughs> it sounds so lame, but I'm like, oh, that's it. Actually, no. Let me sprinkle some more.
0: <laughs> you should be so proud of yourself. Like, it's amazing to hear you talk about your career. And I love that you really have found it's very evident, obviously, if you check out georgia's instagram that she's so passionate about cardiology and you've just gone kind of gung-ho in that specialty and you've made that your thing and i love that and i want to touch on what you just said there because i've just come off a coaching call actually with a very senior you know well educated amazing clinician with years of experience that is feeling that imposter syndrome around applying for that next job because they don't yet have what I call the certificate they've not collected all the certificates so I love that you bring that up and you you've just nailed that and said hey you don't need it <laughs> you can do it like don't stop yourself from going for this and the reality is you don't need any certificates really i mean i had an adon who is now a don that does not have any certificates <laughs> so it is totally possible do not limit the message there that you're sending is do not limit yourself within your career I'm in awe of the fact that you you haven't done that. You just keep going and you keep pushing and you keep taking action and making it happen. What do you think is driving you? What do you think that is within you that, you know, more people could tap into?
1: That's a great question. I think, well, it's so, I guess for me with like cardiology in general, right, the only reason I chose that specialty is honestly because at uni when we were talked about the heart I understood it and a lot of people were like oh my god that's just gone straight over my head and I was like what do you mean it makes perfect sense and I was just very intrigued by it like there's so many things this is like the proper nerd in me (laughs) there's so many things about the heart itself where I'm like it's so crazy to me that it can do all the things that it does and if it stops doing one of those things or all of those things like without being grim like we would literally die so like to me I was just like I just as weird as it might sound, I have so much respect for the heart and that's what – it like I find it easy to put my energy and effort into that because I'm happy to learn about it and constantly being like, okay, I, you know, I'm at this level with how I feel my knowledge is at the heart. Let's try and learn more. Let's try and push more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think like as a person, I just always want to be growing and progressing and improving. So it's not even that – you know, like I was having a conversation today, actually saying like with me and my ECGs, like my grad year, which, you know, sounds amazing on paper of this high acuity cardiac cardiology ward for 12 months. Like that sounds like the thing that got me to where I am, but it isn't. It was the 18 months where I went home and I got thrown into a situation that wasn't ideal. And on paper, I didn't do anything in that 18 months. I just went to work and I Tried my best to make the best out of that situation, and that I learned so much in that year. But I, oh sorry, that 18 months, but I very much so could have gone into that and just coasted and not really done anything. Like mm-hmm. it was a very easy job, but I chose to constantly ask questions and pick the doctor's brains and go into the cath lab when something crazy was happening and be like, Why is this happening? Why are they doing that? Like, what's going on here? Can someone teach me? Mm. So I think. The short answer to your question is just constantly wanting to grow and improve and not so much, like you said, getting caught up with, oh, well, I need to do a postgrad to learn these things or I need to go back to you to learn these things. You don't. You just need to be hungry for constantly being like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And how can I learn to be like that person that you're looking up to or, you know, whatever it Mm
0: -hmm. It's so good. It's so well said. And I think often as clinicians, we sometimes think like, oh, maybe Georgia's like a unicorn. Like, she's so good at this. Like, she's so special. You know, and like, we all look at people and we think that they're better than us or they're special or they're unique. And you're like, I could never do what Georgia does. But you're right. It literally just comes down to making it happen for yourself.
1: Yeah definitely.
0: There's no special unique formula. It is literally, you know, you didn't get an extra like cardiac gene or something that's given you this insight. (laughs) You have just got to work and you've made it happen. And I love what you say there around getting curious, like just be curious, explore it. And I talk about that all the time in career. you know, Yeah. don't stay stuck, hating a job, get curious, go out and make something else happen. And even though you're in an environment where maybe it wasn't the best environment for you by the sounds of it, you made it work for you. And you controlled what you can control, which is such a valuable lesson for so many people listening. I'm curious because in the time that you, you know since you've qualified to now, you have built your career and your Ana. So tell us about that. Like how did that come about and what did you do to be able to build your career to that point?
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of Like definitely what you said, I've worked hard. I've always put in lots of effort, but it's also just unfolded sort of naturally, you know, like coming back to Melbourne, I actually wasn't, I was meant to be going back to the high acuity ward. That was my plan. And then when I got back and it was the middle of COVID and, you know, everything was just insane. Again, my current day procedure area was meant to be the temporary place for me to be, but I got there and. Because Cairns is tiny and Melbourne is massive, there's a very big difference in the kind of cardiac procedures and the acuity of patients and everything. So I thought I was done with that kind of area. But then coming back to Melbourne and being in like that sort of more acute and fast-paced and interesting sort of day procedure area, I was like, okay, wow, like maybe I'm not really done with this because there's elements of this that I love and there's elements of my old area, like sorry, of the hospital in Cairns that I can bring into this new area and just naturally in terms of like leadership and just wanting to not do the bare minimum. Mm. I sort of just found myself always with the current A nums or the you know, the A nums that were there when I got there, constantly like bouncing ideas off them or or them bouncing ideas off me and being like, Hey, you know, this this scenario is gonna happen, but you're the most senior person here. How do you feel? I'm like, Yep, sweet, done. So it's very much like I guess being that sort of natural Born leader, I'm, I'm putting myself in those situations again where I'm like, okay, this is going to be tricky, but I think I can do it, and I know where to pull resources from. I know how to escalate, and yeah, just sort of like pushing myself to get into those kind of leadership positions. Yeah, that's,
0: I love that. Yeah, yeah, so giving yourself the opportunity mm. and seek actively seeking it out. I mean. I talk about it a lot and it varies state to state, but typically, you know, when you're going for an ANAM or a more senior role, that leadership initiative is so critical,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. which
0: is obviously what you're demonstrating. The desire to educate people mm-hmm. and to have tangible experience educating people, also very beneficial. Yeah, And then really using your skills, knowledge and experience, having moved across a couple of different hospitals and different areas to improve the quality and the safety of the care yeah. that's delivered. Like that is like the secret recipe for getting a promotion in your career. If you want to build your career and you want it to happen tomorrow, like get to work, Yeah, do those. You don't even have to change the world and implement the world's most fabulous quality improvement project. It could be something real simple, like improving how you store patients' medications on the unit.
2: Yeah, literally. Like
0: it doesn't have to be super intense, to be able to give you that ammunition, so that when you apply, it sounded like you had all of those things lined up.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I literally said on my Instagram stories today, like talking basically about this sort of thing. Well, which was, you don't have to be in a leadership position to be a good leader. And if you want a leadership position, if you know that you want to be an ANAM or you want to be in one of those senior roles, start from day one, like mm. day one of your grad year. You can still show leadership qualities. You can still go to your A-Nums, your Nums and be like, hey, Lena, you know, I've seen the way that we do this. And I actually think if we did it this way, it would be it could improve yet yeah, patient safety. It could improve flow. It could mm-hmm. like you don't have to be a leader to do those things. And doing those things early on, it just builds the case, you know, like yep. even with me doing CNS, like I was doing everything a CNS did before I was even applying Because you have to build this case of like,
2: Mm. you
1: can't just, yeah, can't just go in and be like, okay, I'm going to do all these things. And they'll be like, well, but when have you done it before? Mm. So why would you do it now? Do you know what I mean? So you've kind of got to, yeah, start from day one if you know that you want one of those sort of leader positions.
0: Yeah. It's one of my biggest frustrations purely just because people are obviously so passionate about building their career, but they don't take the strategic action. Mm. And then when it comes to coaching, I find often sometimes – they, I'm like so what quality have you done and they're like quality <laughs> and it's like no oh my god like That's we can good. try our best to sell you it's going to be really hard to communicate that you're at this level because you haven't taken action yeah and I say I put something on Instagram I think a month ago or so like If you want to be an educator, the best time to start educating is now. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) If you want to be a leader, the best time is now. Start finding those opportunities. We do think that we need to go crazy and like be leading the team of 30 staff and 30 patients and like directing the consultants, not what's required. Like maybe just manage the four-bedded bay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, literally.
0: (laughs) And lead you in the AIN and like get on with it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's the whole, you know, getting 1% better every day counts for a lot in the long run. You don't have to make these massive changes across a whole hospital to prove that you're a valuable team member and you deserve to be, you know, considered for these positions. Look at the tiny little changes that you can make every day, have these conversations and sort of, you know, yeah, I guess just not make, I guess, make yourself known, but not mm. in a lame way of like sucking up. Like actually, yeah. if you're genuine about it, you will genuinely be able to show and demonstrate. Mm. And demonstrate is the word they use in all the interviews and everything. It's not like tell me how you plan to do this thing. It says <laughs> demonstrate. <Yes. laughs> tell me a time you've demonstrated your like clinical expertise or your clinical skills or your whatever yeah so good we need action action not words people
0: (laughs) yeah i love that yeah it's that whole idea of like oh so like if you're successful like how would you do a quality improvement project no (laughs) it's like they already they and this is obviously what you've done they already want to see you in the role Mm -hmm. like you want to make it so easy for the panel to be like wow georgia's the best fit for this role she's already doing it all like it's a no-brainer
1: yeah exactly
0: you want them to have no doubts about your capacity whatsoever. So I love that you've been able to create that for yourself. Mm-hmm. I would love to explore what an enum does. Like, you know, we've got people across the spectrum within their career, and some people that have been in the career for a long time don't know what enums do. <laughs> and then we have grads on the other end of the spectrum as students. So what does a day in the life look like as an enum?
1: I love that you asked this because I said on my Instagram everything that like I did in a day once. And someone's like, "Um, what is your numb doing? You're doing what a numb does. And I was like, no, I'm not. They're completely different roles. And, like, also my numb is the best. Like, she's amazing. <laughs> okay, so my area isn't a ward. People get so confused about where I actually work. So it's not like a normal inpatient ward. So it might be a little bit different to what, like, an inpatient ward numb, uh, sorry, a num does. But anyway. So when I'm an ANAM, I work 8 till 4.30. So cath lab runs from 8 till 4.30. We obviously have our AM and PM and night duty staff already going in. And so get to work, check in with how everything's going with the staff that are there, any barriers or issues that have come up with getting patients ready for cath lab or obviously anyone that's complicated or whatever, sort of see to that we do a like a whole hospital bed meeting so typically there's two a day one in the morning one in the afternoon if the hospital is horrendous they will throw one in at lunchtime as well because they essentially need to look at where is every single ward at how many patients are currently in the hospital how many discharging who's in ed how much staff do we have like all that kind of stuff so all of the anums from every single ward go to this meeting I used to be petrified of it because I was like, ah, like, what if I say the wrong thing? And then, like, I, like, screw up everything for the whole hospital. And everyone's like, it's fine, it's
0: fine. Those operational flow people, as much as they're lovely, they're bloody scary. They're the scariest.
2: They are scary. Hospital. Yeah.
0: Don't mess with them.
2: No,
1: no. But do you know what? A skill that I have learned in being a num is be brave when you talk to them. Mm. Their job is to fix problems. And sometimes... Yep. They don't care how the problem gets fixed and you have to be, as the leadership person, the person that says, no, I'm not going to let that happen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's a whole conversation about executives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so bed meetings. And then, honestly, the rest of my day is answering the team leader phone with every and any person that calls. It could be the consultants. It could be staff. It could be engineering. It could be patients. Deal with basically all the problems is Mm -hmm. the best way to put it. And managing like obviously because like the flow through cath lab of the elective patients. So my hospital has four cath labs and they essentially each day they do different kinds of procedures. So imagine like one does angiograms and stents, one does pacemakers, one does like EP. So you're almost, my brain's almost in three or four different places at once and I'm coordinating the staff and the patients going through all of those things as well as if we have to move patients out to a ward. So say we have like a really unwell, like one of our patients that walks in totally fine in the morning, goes to cath lab, has a major complication. They can't come back to my ward. My ward is not set up as like a, you know, a CCU. So if that happens, it's my job to liaise with, you know, the bed assignment people and the floor they'll be going to and negotiate how we're going to make this work. Like, do we need to take a patient from them? It's lots of just yeah coordinating, making sure staff go for their breaks, making sure staff feel supported. I'm the person that everyone comes to with all of their problems, whether that's like cardiac knowledge or like yeah patient flow or whatever. So I just put out spot fires all day,
2: and <laughs>
0: <I love laughs> that's it. my it's
2: job.
0: It's <laughs> so true. It's so true. It's it literally is like chief problem solver, CPS. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love that.
1: Literally once I had like... <laughs> my, my, <laughs> I'm just going to say my darling boyfriend when we first started dating, like every time he would come to me with something, I was like, all right, here's a solution. Here's, this is how we're going to do it. And like I had to say to him once, I was like, I'm sorry if you don't want solutions, but it's literally my job. All day (laughs) to come up with solutions. So if you don't want one, I'm sorry if I'm like word vomiting it at you, but like, this is what I'm used to. (laughs)
0: Uh, it's so funny how what we do in our life at work translates into our personal life. You know, yeah. Whether like fixing, like overly fixing people's problems like against their will, or I find as a coach that I by default now coach everybody all the time. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's an interesting thought. Like, have you thought about changing that thought? <laughs> like, how is that thought serving?
1: They're like Liam, stop.
0: <laughs> and they're like, no, I did not give you consent to coach me right now. Um, I feel like i'll send not- you an
1: invoice it's fine
0: <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> but i love that that gives great insight into the diversity of the role and really like it literally anything that comes up is on your plate yeah and you have to tackle and manage and work through it's a great role to grow and develop and to really show and demonstrate your leadership skills and your ability to lead and manage because the two things are very different yeah. I like to remind people that leadership is about leading people. We lead people with a pulse. You'll appreciate this as a cardiac nurse. We we lead things that have a pulse Mm -hmm. and we manage things that are resources. They have no pulse, like stock, supply, flow, all of those things. And often people get that kind of confused. And it's really misleading because all nursing leadership roles have manager in the title, not leader.
1: Yeah. never thought of it like that.
0: Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Cause you're really a leader. You're, you, it sounds like you are eighty percent, ninety percent leader. You're managing people. You're not managing people. You're leading people, and you're managing flow, theaters, resources, budget, quality, all of the things. Rosters.
1: Yes. Oh my God. Rosters. I've got to say, rosters. That's now part of my role, <laughs> and that's
0: and that is a matter as-
1: character building.
0: <laughs> it's a horrible thing. It- if you're listening to this and you think the managers intentionally make the rosters terrible, we're here to tell you that it is one of the hardest tasks to balance yeah. 10, to 20, 50 people's lives. And remember that Betty has got yeah. three kids <laughs> and she plays netball on a Thursday night and that John tonight goes to church on a Sunday. Really? It is so hard. It's <laughs> so hard.
1: I have all of that in a document because I'm like, this person only works this day, this person doesn't work this day. But even then, like I remember the first time I ever did the roster, I like did it all and I was like, This isn't even that hard. What's everyone talking about? And realized I forgot like a whole person out of the roster and then I was like, ah, now I've got to like change it all to like put them in and oh uh,
0: it's horrible. So,
1: yeah, character building is the only way I can describe it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Be kind to your A and your nums that are doing the roster. I'm just Sit down with them and chat to them and you know when they put the roster out and it's taking them a whole day to do it, plus an extra couple of weekends at home. Just come in very gently and just ask them very kindly to change the shift.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Just be nice.
1: You know, we're human too.
0: Exactly. I love
1: I hate spreadsheets just as much as everyone else.
0: (laughs) Disgusting. So bad. let's uh, talk about leadership i'm curious because like myself you know we're both younger clinicians and i'm curious like what's that journey been like for you coming into a senior leadership role because when i first made that shift i had huge age drama like i was i think i was 27 26 27 when i became like a cnc or a nurse unit manager mm-hmm. for the first time and i was like know I've got clinicians, I've got people that are reporting to me that are in their 50s 60s some of them are in their 70s and I'm like oh my god I had immense imposter syndrome around that what's your experience been of that
1: I've had very different experiences between different fields so like
2: mm-hmm.
1: nurses in my department no issue like we have some much older nurses and I think I think if you come at everyone it sounds a bit weird but like just in a respectful and approachable, just like a good manner, I guess.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And you speak to everyone the same, you know, that's, I don't have, I've not had any issues with that. I have had issues though with, and I'm not, I swear, I'm not throwing doctors under the bus. Love doctors. (laughs) But lots of, I have had issues, especially because when like, even before I was an a I, like, I look very young as it is, like I'm 27 now, but when I was a baby nurse and I was 23, I looked about 16. And <laughs> even though I, in myself, I I don't have a problem with speaking up to people who are more senior than me, I don't have a problem talking to consultants, I don't have because I'm just like I'm not here to be awkward and let, you know, whatever. I'm here for, if I'm talking to you about something that's about a patient, that's why I'm talking to you. Like I don't need any of your whatever. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, some people don't like that or they'll, you know, they kind of look at you twice, like who does this person think they are? And you just sort of have to, in my experience, just learn to hold your own and kind of Mm. remember why you're saying what you're saying. You know, if you're, I've had a, a consultant once came to look at, so a lot of the procedures we do in cath lab are femoral, either arterial or venous. And there's always groin complications you know, they're very common, right? I see it all day, every day. I've managed it for years. Like I'm all over it. Mm. And this consultant came to look at this groin and he walked in and half looked at it and was like, do this. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> I was like, if we do that, we're going to make it worse. And he was like, all right, don't do that then. I said, okay, I'm not going to. And he said, all right, bye. And then walked out and everyone was like, <laughs> what just happened? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not saying it to be sassy. I'm saying it because he's not dealing with this problem. He's going to say this and leave. And me as the nurse is going to have to deal with the thing that he just said that I don't agree with. And I know that I'm right. So it's one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm a little bit scared, but I know that what I'm saying is going to benefit the patient. And if he thinks that I'm some sassy little nurse, then he can think that that's fine. I don't really care. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So it's a bit of I think when I was a grad, my preceptor said to me once, I'll never forget it, when I was going down for the first time ever on my own to pick up a patient from like actual theatre recovery. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And she was like, like, now when you get down there, be brave because they want you to take the patient out of recovery. And if they're bordering on like, you know, now there's criteria of like, yes, they can leave or no, they can't. She said, no matter what, they will try and push you to take that patient. And if you're not happy, don't take them and just be brave. And I've never forgotten that. And I say it to everyone now, like, just be brave. If you're not comfortable, if you're, you know, whatever it is, I know it's scary, but just take a big, deep breath and just say no or whatever it is and just hold your own (laughs) and then come and melt down to me after. (laughs) Like, it's fine. (laughs) But it's definitely a skill. (laughs)
0: It is. And it's something that you develop over your career for sure. And mm. the more you put yourself in these situations like CNS and a right? You yeah. The more you have to do this on a daily basis. And I think it reminds us when you're talking about that, it reminds me of telling myself that I can do hard things. Yeah. Like I can do this. I can do hard things. And I loved what you said there about I don't really care what he thinks or she thinks of me. RuPaul if anybody's a drag race fan I absolutely love RuPaul drag race RuPaul always talks about what other people think or say about you is absolutely none of your business
2: so
0: it's super powerful when you can be in that headspace and be like I'm advocating on behalf of a patient Mm -hmm. who is semi-conscious post a procedure who has you know I know how to manage this patient and you've got to ask yourself that question in a court of law would I be able to justify the decisions that I made in this day based on a whim by the sounds of it, based on a consultant popping in, having a half-assed look and walking out and not documenting his plan. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That is what it is.
0: We love you, doctors. We love you. We
1: do. Look, Some are great. Some are great. and But yeah.
0: It is what it is. And it's just part of the process. It's part of the role. I'm super glad that you haven't had those dramas. And I think no one has those dramas, really. Mm. It's more an internal drama around age and developing and and getting to a point. And it really is about building trusty, truthful, authentic Mm. relationships with humans um, and showing Mm. them that you're there for them and you're there to support them.
1: Yeah, definitely. It doesn't
0: take much of a positive culture. No. So I really struggle with why we do it so poorly in healthcare. Mm. Because if you just be nice to each other...
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, literally, and I think it's hard, like, you know, there's definitely, having said, you know, everything I've just said, there's always imposter syndrome. There's always times where I'm like, oh, my God, why did they leave me in charge of this whole place? Like, I don't know the answer, but I've just learned that, like, it's okay to not know the answer sometimes, but just ask questions. Like, I clarify things all the time, and especially early in my career, to build my confidence and to try and crush that imposter syndrome a bit Like, yeah, I would clarify things. And then once I knew, okay, I thought this and someone confirmed that I was correct, great. It's like one little point to like I believe in myself and I believe that I can do these things. And then, yeah, whatever anyone else thinks, then that's on them. They can judge me for looking like a 12-year-old and running a department Mm -hmm. or they can, you know, be on my team and chat to me and work, you know, work out how to work better together or whatever it is. It's up to them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I um, love that. And Brene Brown talks about in Daring Leadership, she talks about the first thing, the first step is being a learner, yeah. not a knower. And that curiosity piece is just so powerful. Every time I quote Brene Brown on this podcast, every episode, <laughs> you're
1: her number one fan.
0: So, once I'm manifesting, she will be a guest on this podcast she will. in the future. She'll
2: be here.
0: i um, will be here. Uh, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> so, I to move sideways mm-hmm. and into nurse subs and yeah. that form and what you're creating I think it's amazing and like I said having the foggiest how to read an ECG with an ICU nurse for years and could identify the things that I needed to know
1: yeah yeah <laughs> sisterly or not
0: <laughs> I knew my shockables and my non-shockables and that was about the capacity so tell us obviously you've told us a little bit already about no sense in what you do, but tell us what your kind of vision is for that platform and uh, what you're working towards.
2: Yes. Well,
1: it's kind of just all unfolding naturally again as well. Like when I first started the Instagram, I actually had no idea that there was so many nurses on Instagram. Like I just made it because I was like, I understand the heart. Like I like teaching people about it. Maybe I can do a thing on social media and then made this page and was just like, oh my God, there's like hundreds and thousands of these people and these students and grads and like people like you you're like it's I was just like blown away and yeah originally you know as with everything it always life pivots you where you need to go I feel mm. I had planned I wanted to sort of be a split between like ECGs and mentoring or coaching mm. and I, I did do it like a little bit of that but then it's just sort of yeah taken me more it's more so my ECG workshops, which, mm-hmm. you know, the first one I did, there was like two or three people, then it's like 10 or 12. And now like this weekend, I'm going to teach at a uni here in a couple of months time. I'm teaching at another uni and like, there's gonna be... so it's just like, it's snowballing in that respect,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is great because there's so many people say what you've just said about ECGs, whether they're, you know, new to nursing or, you know, seasoned nurses, mm-hmm. And that's not anyone's fault because they literally don't teach it because, to be fair, and this is an assumption, but maybe the people at uni teaching the classes don't understand them so they can't teach them. That's fine.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But they are such an important skill to know and you can pick up. Anyway, we won't rant about ECGs. Everyone knows I love them. I teach them. Whatever. Moving on. No, (laughs) sips. Yeah. Okay. Also, I have obviously my luncheon. So Mm -hmm. that is... I guess I just saw in that that there was a gap of no events aren't just, wow, that doesn't make any sense. So there weren't any events that were like social and sort of networking and just like the whole point of my luncheon is to celebrate nurses and nursing students because we do incredible things every single day and especially, you know, in Victoria or everywhere, to be fair, the last two years have been rough. Like people have... Mm quit nursing they have dropped out of like you need to be a nurse because they're just like i don't want to do that it sounds horrendous like we had a terrible time so i was like okay well i can make an event that is mostly social but you know there's going to be a panel of speakers and a little q a and hopefully that will end up being an annual thing Mm -hmm. i think as the years you know go on i would love to be able to bring all the things that i do in melbourne to the rest of Australia like people have always like can you come to Sydney or can you come here or and I would love to do that because I just I really just love connecting with people like minded people hearing their stories and yeah teaching things like ecgs that people put in the too hard basket but when it's explained in an easy way it they're not that hard if someone goes hey this is what you should look at this is what you shouldn't look at this is when to be worried and this is when it's fine like it's not that hard mm. Yeah, so just I don't know. It's gonna keep going how I'm going because it's all happening. It's all unfolding.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing to see you grow and to see this offering and people see the immense value in it. Because I think, as clinicians, you know how many of us have done an ECG um, because the doctors told us to. Um, we've rocked in. We've done the ECG. We look at it and the patient's like, "So, like, does it look good? Like, you know, tell me more." And we're like, "Oh." <laughs>
1: Everyone's
0: like, mm. That's a doctor's, resp- like, the worst thing that I hear is, like, that's a doctor's responsibility. And I'm like,
1: yeah.
0: well, oh, it's not really.
1: It's not,
0: yeah. Like, it is actually part of our role. And, you know, we could definitely use that opportunity. The patient's literally asking for health education. Like, they're asking for, you know, cons- like, information about their state and their well-being. Mm. And we're like, ah. And then, of course, the doctor never gets back to them. And they've had a procedure done. That no one ever kind of closes the loop about.
2: No, typically,
0: no. It's, right? It's really terrible when you think about it. Yeah. So I love you're empowering nurses to step in, utilise their advanced critical thinking skills, and to hone in on this skill because it is—it's like CV coaching, like interview coaching. It's a life skill. You're going to use this.
2: Yeah. yeah. Turn
0: on investment for your career. If you're twenty, twenty-one, even if you're fifty-one or sixty-one the return on investment is huge. You're going to use it for the rest of your career.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I hear so many people say like, oh, and like I don't work in cardiac. And it's like, that's even more reason to be the person that knows because like I've had experiences where, you know, a patient on like a different floor, like a respiratory ward or something, they've done their obs in the morning, their heart rate's like 30, done an ECG, sent it to the cardiology team. The patient's in complete heart block and like I've gone hours later to go and get them to bring them to cath lab and they're not on any sort of monitoring, no one's with them, like because they don't even comprehend that that rhythm can deteriorate into nothing. And that's super high risk obviously for the patient. Like patients can literally, you know, have very, very poor outcomes from that. But also like you were saying with patient education, like one of the reasons I love my elective area so much is that you do get that opportunity whether they, the procedure has gone the way the patient thought or not to sit down with them and be like, cause we, you know, like show them their procedure report and kind of say, you know, this is what we were looking at and we thought that this was the issue because of your symptoms, but it's not, or it is or whatever. And like, yeah, just ner- like us as nurses, understanding the pathophysiology of what is happening is what enables us to articulate it in a normal person way or layman's terms to our patients. If we don't even understand what's happening with them, how are we meant to tell them? And when they ask questions or their family asks questions, like it's literally our job to help them understand what's happening with them. And I see it so often, like you said, where even sometimes with the medical team, like we had a patient recently, they came in for a cardioversion, so they were in AF and they were just naturally in slow AF, their heart rate was like 40. And all morning, everyone was saying, oh, your heart rate's slow, your heart rate's slow, but it's okay, we'll fix it. Did the cardioversion and then after it, they went into like a second degree heart block. So essentially they needed a pacemaker and it's also a slow rhythm. And I was watching this patient get so confused because everyone kept saying, oh, your heart rate's slow, so we need to put in a pacemaker. After having just spent all morning saying, oh, your heart rate's slow, and so I went over and I said, The difference between what we're saying and what we're seeing on the monitor and why we're worried and why we're not letting you go home and why we're putting in a pacemaker isn't actually about how fast your heart's going. It's about the rhythm that it's in now. It's changed and it's different to AF mm. and it's not quite the normal rhythm that we wanted. But I can, and he was like, Oh,
2: mm.
1: oh, okay, okay. I'm like, Yeah, because everyone was saying, oh, your heart's slow, your heart's slow. But an hour ago that was fine and now it's not. And the patient's sitting there like, what is going on? Like, why? (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, Mm. that's a perfect opportunity of understanding what's happening with them, explaining it to the patient in a way that they understand. Like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. That is so rewarding and it's our job. (laughs)
0: It is 100% a job. And you'll probably attest to this as an enum. Uh, this is where it becomes full circle. Because mm. if in that moment of vulnerability for the patient, we don't support them, we don't build trust and rapport with them, guess who it comes to? Chief problem solver. Yeah. And it becomes a complaint, right? Like a lot of these things escalate to complaints. Not everything, but people, you know, have They lose trust in the system. That's why we have people on the news saying doctors are shitty or nurses are shitty or whatever. It's because they've had a bad experience where something's happened to them and then no one has built, no one's taken two minutes of the time to just stop and explain it. And the alternative is that it ends up becoming like a huge hospital complaint (laughs) that goes through all the channels and then ends up becoming some human rights commission complaint that, the poor A-NAM slash NAM has to deal with. Yeah. And it just gets bigger than Ben-Hur when it doesn't have to be. There's just such power. Yeah. And meeting your patient where they're at.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And just providing that information and taking a minute. Imagine if you were unwell and somebody was like, yeah, your heart's slow. Like how vague and non-specific.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like what is slow?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I find like, there's so many things in nursing like that where when you break down that whole scenario that I just said, the main problem actually was just communication and you see it all the time where patients will be like, I don't know what's happening or their family calls and someone will be like, oh, you know, they got a stent and their family like, what do you mean? What do you, like what are you talking about? I genuinely don't even know why my relatives in hospital and it's because we as all healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, everyone, are horrendous at communicating because we're saying it with the background of what we understand and know as if they know that. And, yeah, it's just like all it really is is say things in normal people words and understand what our patients know or what their families know before you start hitting them with these medical words, you know. Yep. it's Yeah. Communication is a massive thing and, yeah.
0: Huge. It is the biggest problem area, and um, the general – Population's health literacy is pretty low. Yeah. Even in somewhere like Australia. Oh yeah. The UK it's like it's low. It's very low across the board. So yeah, we've got to meet people where they're at. I love that. Yeah. Love the work that you're doing in nurse subs It's amazing. Love that you're building your career and you're building a high performing career, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. What do you want to share with the nursing population, like what would you want nurses to know about cardiac or about careers or anything that we've talked about today mm. that we maybe haven't covered? What would you love to share with the high performance nursing audience?
1: I think the biggest thing, especially with like the sort of the imposter syndrome slash maybe like the junior nursing mm. sort of community and we we kind of have touched on this a little bit, but it's that it's okay if you don't know everything no one knows everything but just give yourself time and give yourself goals of what you want to get good at so that you can get that little bit better every single day
2: Mm.
1: you know like ECGs just as an example obviously I remember the first ever thing that I said to my grad educators when I was a baby nurse I was like I want to know ECGs and they were like (laughs) sister that's not how it works like you don't just know them you don't just like you know anyway but I've had that in my mind ever since I got onto a cardiac ward and I could see that that was a gap in my knowledge that was pivotal in the role that I wanted to be good at and that's what's driven me to where I am today. Mm. I haven't learnt all the things that I've learnt overnight. I've definitely, and even now, I don't know everything about ECGs, mm. but I know enough to know my gaps and I'm happy enough to ask questions and all the, you know pull on the resources that you need. So... I guess, yeah, my biggest thing would just be focus on getting 1% better every day in whatever area or avenue that it is that you want to go down as a nurse. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Other people's, you know, don't judge other people's day 100 with your day one. They're completely different and everyone has their own avenues they want to go down. Like just because I love cardiac and leadership things doesn't mean that you have to love cardiac and leadership things to be a good nurse everyone has their strong points and everyone has their things that they will be as obsessed with as I am about the heart and those things. And that's what makes it such a great career and such a great option Mm. for us because we all bring something different Mm. to it and we have the chance to impact people's lives in a positive way every single day. And that's amazing.
0: Mm. So powerful. I'm curious what you would say to people that are listening because obviously you have built a career in cardiac and you're very certain on that but I know for me like my career is a melting pot of 15 different roles in different areas like it literally is like do you know nursing cauldron full of like <laughs> different roles so hocus pocus and I never really had like intense clarity around a specific area specialty department that I wanted to and Mm -hmm. at the time I used to think that that was a problem but now I see that as a strength Mm -hmm. but a lot of people have a lot of mind drama about the fact that they haven't yet found their thing and I'm curious what would you say to those people that think they need to find one thing and then dive deep into it because that's the answer
1: yeah I don't think that they need to do that I think if you have an area that you really love then do that, that's great. And if you don't and you kind of like a little bit of everything, then that's also great. Like I look at, like you know, pool and bank nurses and like I've been redeployed to a ward that I don't know maybe once or twice and the severe anxiety that I get from that, mm. not worth it. Like I don't have any interest in being thrown in to an area that I don't know and spend eight hours questioning that I'm missing something for my patient because I don't know this area. No interest in that. Mm. But that's fine. Like there's people that love that. They love knowing a little bit about everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Or
1: there's people like me that I like knowing a lot about one area. There's no right or wrong way of doing it. I think it's just an internal thing of you yourself being okay with what you have chosen or just giving yourself time. Like you don't have to know from day one that you want to be a certain nurse. Like, And you can change your mind as many times as you want. It's, Yeah. Again, why nursing is such a great yeah. like career pathway.
0: Yeah, so beautifully said. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to know the how no. to be able to get to where you want to be in your career. You just take small baby steps, take action, explore. Something doesn't work out. It's feedback and you move on to the next thing. There literally are no rules and it's so exciting. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Georgia, no Sibs, it has been fabulous having you here. Thank you so much for your time. All of the links to uh, Georgia's Instagram platform, all of the deets will be below in the show notes but thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. I'm sure we'll have to do like an ECG live interpretation or something. <laughs> and you can really do-
1: put me under the pump.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. oh, it's so funny. But seriously, thank you so much. It's inspiring watching you grow within your career. And thanks for all that you're doing within cardiac nursing and more broadly within nursing.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And same to you, like you're crushing it and just such an inspiration. And you're obviously helping so many people, which is incredible so thank you for doing you and being you and having me here (laughs) thank
0: you of course thank you that's very kind of you all righty we're gonna leave you because we'll just keep going forever (laughs) thank you all right bye everyone bye everybody stay curious stay safe and uh, we'll see you in the next episode If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.